Welcome to Cult and Classic. <laughs> Welcome, friends and fiends, to a brand new new year. Uh, and we are back to our normal episodes here at Cult and Classic Podcast, where we talk about two films thematically re- uh, linked one of which is a cult film and one of which is a mainstream film. Uh, We're starting the new year off with a special of specials. That's right. We are doing after school specials here on Cult and Classic Podcast. And we have uh, a two-parter as usual. So this episode, we're going to be focusing on 1990s animated cartoon all-stars to the rescue, which there's a lot to talk about. And then uh, for part two, we will be discussing the ABC uh, after school special called The Day My Kid Went Punk from 1980, which is live action uh, and and has Bernie Koppel from uh, Get Smart in it. So we'll talk about those, uh, that one next week. And right now let's dive into cartoon all-stars to the rescue. Uh, of course, my name is Nathan Wyckoff. I am a comedian and film critic and I have with me here, Greg. How are you doing, Greg? Doing great, uh, right in the H train, of course, and I'll be doing an eight ball uh, at the break. <laughs> That's right. This this is a lot to talk about about this film. Uh, and and briefly joining us today, we also have Tad Mastroni. How are you doing, Tad? Smoke crack, get your job back. Yeah, I don't know if that's true, but you know, it certainly it rhymes. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, Greg Johnson, I just want to ask because I, I Tad, I think you mentioned that you had seen this before, correct? Yes, I actually saw this when I was a kid, when it was released, and it was traumatizing. Yeah. So I was, I was, I couldn't wait to revisit it. I'm, I think a lot of people understood that, but Greg, I imagine you didn't see this when it came out. You're probably just a little too young. A little, just, just barely, because let's see, ni- yeah, 1990, it came out the year I was born, um, but I have seen it. Okay. Um, and it, it, uh, it did not disappoint on a second viewing. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so how do we have this film? What is this film? So cartoon all-stars to the rescue was this like group effort, um, between like the motion picture association, I believe, and uh, a whole bunch of entities, channels, um, across properties, Disney, Warner brothers, uh, Mirage, who at the time, uh, created and owned Ninja Turtles, uh, all sorts of, uh, uh United artists group who had, a. Uh, who has Garfield, um, the cat, all of these things got together and said, hey, uh, let's do an anti-drug PSA after-school special. So they made a 32-minute animated special that has a ton of characters from many, many shows uh, at the time, uh, 1990, and put them together into this anti-drug PSA. The interesting thing is here, there's, there's a lot of, lot of interesting things, but the plot is sort of the narratively this movie makes no sense um it's it's a huge it's a 32 minute cameo train um where the the overall story is that there is an older brother michael and his younger sister who looks up to him uh notices that he's stolen her piggy bank money and it's of course he's buying drugs and he's smoking marijuana and this is during the time when marijuana was considered and really pushed to be a gateway drug so the problem isn't so much the marijuana in the animation at least they kind of got that part right it's the fact that you know then it's on to uh crack uh and <clears throat> you know that's or or, or you know cr- crystal if you're back in 1990 and and that of course leads the problem to addiction and all these other things there's some good points and there's some wild insanity going on here uh, like i said it's a cameo train so it doesn't, there's a lot of scenes that don't need to be there and could be played in any order. Uh, mainly 
the kid's out of control. Uh, he, his breaking point is when he accidentally uh, pushes his younger sister against a wall. And then he's like, no drugs. And there's a, an animated character that personifies the desire to do drugs called, that is in the credits called Smoke, who is voiced by none other than our pod favorite, George C. Scott. Uh, from uh, Exorcist 3 and Hardcore, you know, turn it off. Um, <laughs> it's just, he's a delight. It's a delight. This is his first voice acting gig, I believe. Uh, so let's, let's just run down before we get into the, uh, what we think about this movie, all the cameos. There are the Smurfs, um, Papa Smurf, and I forget how many, there's like three other Smurfs that give vocal moments. Um, and then there's no Smurfette. She's on the poster, but she's not in it. Uh, we have Garfield, of course, who is voiced by Lorenzo Music, who is sadly passed, but is one of the greatest animated voice actors of all time. Uh, he is Garfield. Uh, and then we have uh, Kermit, Gonzo, and Miss Piggy from The Muppet Babies, which is one of the most underrated uh, cartoon series in existence, in my opinion. And of course, it hasn't been officially released because uh, they can't get the rights to all the music and guest stars and clips from Star Wars that that show had, but you can find it online if you're savvy. It also has uh, the animated Alf, the alien Alf from the animated cartoon, not the live action cartoon, but he's voiced by the same person. Uh, they do reference him eating cats, of course. We have uh, Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck, um, voiced by Jim Cummings, I believe, or, or is it have to look but uh it's not yeah not it's his... jim cummings okay it's it's uh it's not his uh, the, this is i believe the first time that they're not voiced uh by mel blanc so that's interesting but he does a good job of course and we're familiar with him now in that role we have alvin and the chipmunks from the 90s cartoon which is my favorite alvin era and we have is that is that everybody I... well we have tigger and winnie the pooh uh tigger has like one line uh, which makes sense because Jim Cummings is there. Uh, but we have Winnie the Pooh. And I think, oh, and we have Huey, Dewey, and Louie from the original DuckTales cartoon, which was, a, of course, another fantastic cartoon series. So, um, I mean, and we have Michelangelo from the Ninja Turtles, which- Did, did we hit a Slimer from Ghostbusters? Slimer from Slimer. Ghostbusters, that's right. We have Slime, you know, uh, credited to Dan Aykroyd in these credits, because of course he created the character along with several other people. But yeah, so we have that as well. And one thing I absolutely love is when a lot of the characters come on, we have their theme music from their show done in like um, uh, this, this low tempo, like, underscoring so we get a little bit of the ghostbusters a little bit of um, the new adventures of winnie the pooh theme song all that stuff so it's a delight uh how do they enter this animated world unclear uh some of them come out of comic books some of them are like toys that come to life i fully believe that pixar straight up ripped the the idea of toy story right out of this because we have um the garfield lamp coming to life uh we have the elf coming out of the picture which by the way why does this little girl have a framed photo of the animated elf on her nightstand <laughs> like what that she's a furry that's all i'm gonna say she definitely grew up to be a furry there's no other uh explanation that escalated quickly it's true um <clears throat> so be before i get into the details of these scenes tad i know you have a short time with us today so i want to get to you tad what is your experience and your vision of cartoon all-stars to the rescue this uh revisiting this after when was this released 1990 1990 i was only six years old when this came out and i was very excited to revisit it because i have a, a distinct traumatic memory of this uh special when it came out uh <laughs> 
I blocked out some of it, um, but I wanted to look at it through the eyes of an adult and uh, discover what a surprise that um, it feels like it's being marketed more towards adults than the kids because some of the themes are pretty heavy, especially for the the generation that grew up that were the, what was the intended audience. Yeah. And of course, it's throw every catchphrase possible at these kids to get well, them in, and engaged. Alf, Alf makes references to like seventies TV shows. Right, like it's it's way out there. Like it just doesn't even. It's like you might as well reference Colonel Clink. Like no kid is going to be getting these references. But um, yeah, I, I was I was happy to see to look through you know more mature eyes as to what was so scary about this. And in reality, it's just that they, just just how effective they they turned the kid I don't know his name Michael. into a yeah into a ghoul. Like he yeah. looks freakish when they show him his future. Like this is what you're going to look like if you keep doing the drugs. I'm like, uh, that's. Yeah, I, I mean, mean heroin, I guess, you know, yeah, if you're or meth and, and it, <laughs> it's so and of course, I want to mention too that Michael is voiced by Jason Marston, who is another, uh, I'm a fan, another fan of the pod here or pod fan rather, uh, of course, voicing Max for uh, a, a goofy movie, as well as many other characters uh, in, in animated series. So there's tons of voices in this, you cannot not hear people that you recognize uh, vo vocally from other cartoons and things in this movie and frank welker of course is in there as slimer and baby kermit um there's danny goldman's in there brainy smurf um i i don't i don't i don't know uh and actually sorry jeff bergman i think is actually bugs bunny and daffy duck and and jim cummings of course is is coming back as winnie the pooh and tigger but the scary part, there's one scene that goes kind of long and it's sort of the climax of the movie, which is when he's, Michael is shown who's running his brain, who's in control. And he's like, it's me, of course. And they're like, the man. And they're like, no, it's Smoke, George C. Scott. And I, I mean, after watching Hardcore, like the, the umpteenth time, George C. Scott's running my brain too, but a little <laughs> different scenario. Um, and when he sees Smoke, then he goes into this... Uh, this weird like he falls into a nightmare circus right or a nightmare theme park and like he's falling through there's like buzz saws and he's haggard and he sees himself on like like this is your future and this is the wildest scene he's this zombie character right like it's dead he looks like shaggy after three weeks of being dead right like he's yeah. decomposed a little looking and he's laying on a stone altar in the and center of this like giant shaking. black abyss flame colored ring of stone it is the most like primal um occult setup it's the imagery is heavy and it's weird because it it, it yeah. just it doesn't fit with what the, what they're Nate, talking about how many drugs were involved with the creation of this psa that's exactly what because here's the thing too right like i appreciate that they actually they mention you know joints and marijuana and that's the drug we see him doing several times and we know in this day and age that the scare tactics involved with marijuana whether you do marijuana or not uh we know that the side effects are limited there isn't really a physical addiction to marijuana the idea of a gateway drug is probably just as societally um 
caused by by people doing drugs well if you're doing that you might as well do this uh, more than anything else uh, we also know there's a lot of racial uh, overtones with the quote-unquote war on drugs uh, beginning with marijuana and then we also know things like crystal meth heroin uh you know uh, whatever you want crack dope whatever are uh whatever your lingo is at this point we know that those are addictive and they're highly dangerous substances and they can be you know and, and then we get all sorts of other things, K and whatever. Point being, I don't know why I had to bring ketamine into this. Point being, uh, we know that there are dangerous drugs. We know that marijuana is not really that dangerous. In fact, here in California, it is of course legalized. And in New Hampshire, uh, it is still heavily controlled, but technically legalized for certain uses. And then uh, I think in Washington, I think it's legalized now, correct? Uh, or is, I don't know. Yeah. So it's anyway, we know it's not really that big a deal. And I feel like, uh, especially when you have things like the Ninja Turtles and in the comics, drank beer and did all this, the things that teenagers do. Uh, the animators were the writers and animators were kind of aware that marijuana is sort of a ridiculous thing to harp on. So they do seem to escalate fairly quickly. They show us the, the crystal very early and then they don't really talk about marijuana specifically throughout this. And it's kind of wise because it would it would be even more ridiculous right i do really like though the the main song where all of the characters chime in even though i couldn't understand some of them because they are hardcore cartoon voices the idea that the just say no song it's just say no or if you want to be like if you don't want to be like kind of aggressive or mean about it just say no i have to go home no i've got practice nah no thanks like all these other ways basically any way to just get out of the conversation you don't have to be like really aggressive or a jerk or tell the person like you're being a bad kid right I'm not no. a chicken you're a turkey you're right they're just like they're just like just do whatever you do just lie like, just lie exactly. kids <laughs> go out and lie i mean anytime someone says something to you that you're not into and you don't have a good reason to say no or you can't say no just just lie just and lie you know i am 100 in favor of that that is the one skill that adults shaft kids on right like we all there's no reason why the good kids in our society should be screwed when they get older and they don't have an ability to tell a dishonest truth and <laughs> and, and the people with bad childhoods absolutely can and run circles around them in the in the adult world uh so i really appreciated that i'm gonna say the worst cameo in this though which breaks my heart is michelangelo from the ninja turtles um he just shows up and he's kind of like um why are you being an idiot bro and i know that's not exactly what he says that would be the michael bay bay version later um i don't i just he just it was just shoved into the point where everybody else kind of comes in and out and uh I mean, they worked a lot of characters in, like I said, coming out of the comic book where the, the lamp is Garfield, um, who is the stuffed animal. Then, but there's some that just either they show up or they're bonkers. Like Alvin and the Chipmunks have a TV and Lazy Boy inside an album jacket in, and it's not even an Alvin and the Chipmunks album jacket, but it's in the little girl's room. I, it looks almost like a Jefferson Starship album or something. Like, I don't understand like what where they were coming from are they actually like chipmunks that have uh, like lived in or like just it's no explanation makes sense at all um it really doesn't make sense 
Also, they imply when Bugs Bunny, first off, Bugs Bunny is, apparently works for Capsule Corps from Dragon Ball Z because he pulls out of his pocket a little device with a button and presses it, and it expands into this big circular time machine, which Michael understands immediately is, whoa, a time machine, as though we all are aware what a time machine looks like. I mean, he might as well, they might have well licensed the TARDIS and had it in here. Um, but I mean, so Michael has clearly seen some of the concept art for uh, the, the Time Machine by H.G. Wells. He's seen the cover, <laughs> so. <laughs> that's right. Um, the, 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 the 36-year-old stoner that's selling the kids uh, the drugs has the old copy on his dash from when he went to community college. And we have like, yeah, so the Time Machine, uh, he goes back in time to when the past is black and white, which Bugs Bunny says, it's, it's, bef it's the past, so it's in black and white. Get it? He actually says, get it? And I'm like, <laughs> which is hilarious. Well, um, to be fair, Michael is high, so he has to check, do you get he it? Is, he is. And then, <laughs> and then he like, apparently like he started doing drugs like when he was, cause he's like, oh, when I was a kid. And you're like, you're still a kid. Did, were you doing drugs when you were like five years old? Like, is this, he, he speaks as though it's a long time ago. And I'm like, I assumed it was like a month ago because they're like, he's acting different. And you're just like, but he, wait, since when? Maybe the drugs aren't the problem. Like, I, what, what, is, what has happened recently? It just doesn't, the, the chronology of this does not make sense. He smoked a joint and it made him feel like a big man. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, I, like I said, I don't think this is as wildly off the wall as like Reefer Madness was like, you know, he doesn't smoke a joint and then kill a group of people and, and like not remember it or like can't control himself or has wild sex like none of that really happens like he he needs money to feed this addiction, apparently. And so he steals his his kid sister's money. And then when she confronts him about why he's acting strange, or actually she's going to do some drugs because smoke is working on her because she's like, oh, well, we'll be friends again if I do them too. That's what, you know, he freaks out. And he's like, no, don't do that. I'm an idiot. Um, if the worst thing that as a sibling you do is grab your younger sibling's arm a little hard and push them backwards and they happen to gently bump into a wall, like you're probably on Leave It to Beaver. I feel like there's worse. I'm like, I'm an only child, so I don't know these things. Um, I've, I've, I've uh, you know, you when you leave a, a an imprint of your brother in a wall, right? That's, yeah. that's that's normal. That's that's the normal amount of violence, and typically between brothers. This yeah, was, was like, that's adorable. Oh, he he gently nudged her. I was gonna say, having a younger sister. I mean, I pushed her stone cold sober as a kid, so <laughs> you know, it, it just shit happens. Uh, yeah. So this 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 episode is officially called uh, Evidence B. Uh, yeah. No. So, but seriously, like it's it's just a little it's a little hokey pokey but it's cute and it's cute that all of the characters in there and i love garfield is right on as character like he's sarcastic he literally is like you know you expect him at any point in time to go look at i don't care do you have any lasagna i really would like a nap everything could be solved with a nap all vices should be calorie related and sleep related um it's pretty great so the story, but there's lots of stories behind this show. So this was released on VHS. A lot of them, I believe, went to like schools and things that could show it. Um, I think it was also available for purchase. I'm not sure. But there's apparently in somewhere in one of the scenes in the background or something, there is a Playboy magazine that has like a kinky drawing of a woman on it. Uh, and it was removed 
later. So this, our copy that came from the VHS does not appear to have that, um, but it is known for that. And it was uh, simulcast uh, when it originally aired on uh, all, pretty much all the major networks, NBC, CBS, ABC. Um, and there, according to uh, uh, Mark Evanier, who is, he wrote all of the Garfield and Friends show, um, he's an amazing writer. He's also an amazing comic writer. Uh, he wrote for many comic books, uh, Guru uh, with Sergio Argonis, like really great, great writer, excellent stuff. Um, he apparently said that Jim Henson um, Productions allowed Garfield to be in this only if they showed it uh, at, a, at this specific time. So it was not broadcast thereafter. I've seen some other notifications that seem to be it, is sh it was shown again. I think Cartoon Network showed at one point. So I don't know what sort of um, exceptions were later offered, uh, if any, but it is not widely available uh, you know, for purchase. And it is um, really never been shown since it's airing, at least not widely. And uh, you can, of course, though, find it online uh, in, in many, many locations because it's it's, crazy we don't usually get crossovers like this in fact we never get crossovers to this extent like um roger rabbit would probably who framed roger rabbit would probably be the biggest uh, and then that. space jam 2 would probably be the next biggest uh, uh new legacy and uh and really it's wild it's like a total time capsule moment i want to mention before uh because this is going to be a quick episode it's only 32 minutes short and like i said there's not a lot of narrative depth here um i want to point out a couple of ultra crazy scenes like when um, the Muppet babies lead Michael through sort of an inner space um, fantastic voyage um, on his brain they don't really say it and they might in some of the song but again it's hard to understand especially Miss Piggy her voice is really high in that show so when she sings it's very difficult to hear uh, but he they go through like the synapses of his brain that are firing all wild as he's doing drugs and it's just sort of like um, it as you said Tad it feels like a hallucinogenic trip and I don't really know what the goal was um because it, it's like if you're smoke is there and it's george c scott voice saying like isn't this great <laughs> like this is fun don't you want to have fun don't you want to have friends and the muppet babies are like it's crazy right and you're just like i don't i don't i don't know what am i supposed to get from this i mean michael seems scared um but <laughs> roller coasters do seem like a pretty fun time they never really explain what the hell is going on uh and it feels very psychedelic. They tried their best to explain to younger kids about what it's like to have, you know, like a tolerance reaction, but they, yeah, they use a roller coaster essentially as a, as an analog. And it's like, yeah, but kids fucking love roller coasters. So I don't know if that yeah. was the best way to convey that information. And, and yeah. And the whole sort of arc of that, that, that song actually does have the most like accurate information about like addiction probably because it says yes you have a high but it's this high that uh afterwards there can be a low they say there is an equal low that may not be true but there's a low and your tolerance can go up so you'll need more and more just to be normal and you won't even be able to attain that high yet the lows will still be low and that's true of any medication right or many medications tolerance builds and it's certainly true of things like heroin etc so that makes sense but doing it in a song, in an action set piece, 
was really wild and too difficult to follow, at least from my adult years. I don't know, maybe I needed to like have three bowls of Captain Crunch and then sit there with my bleeding mouth and maybe I'll be able to follow it a little better. Um, I feel like if they just come straight out and had more direct things to say these messages to kids, it would have been more effective. But again, as you mentioned, Tad, fear was a much, was a much easier motivator uh yeah. in these things and they figured that that was the way to do it um especially since in that final climactic like nightmare hellscape um circus type environment there's very few guest stars and the guest stars that do wander through don't help him really at one point they throw him a raft but usually he's just like waving to them and they're like see ya um and and that and that's when it just totally goes off the rails last thing i want to mention about this uh, well let's go to greg greg i didn't really ask you directly what was your take on this? Uh, as you said, you've seen it before, but watching it for the second time, not disappointing. What's your vibe? I mean, I mean, it's it. I think you hit it on the head. It's a time capsule. It's it's something else. It's it's kind of hard to put into words. Um, I think uh, what we haven't touched on though is that our version has the intro from uh, George H. W. Bush right. and, and for Lady Barbara Bush and their dog. Um, and- was yeah, the dog Millie. 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 Millie yeah. I think. Um, which, you know, that that's really where you have to start suspending your disbelief that <laughs> that the Bushes know half of these characters. And I think they call out several by name that they're like, oh, like, you know, your favorites, like Michelangelo. And I'm like, you you've never seen Ninja Turtle. And there's Hufflepuff no there's no fucking boozy, way. Boozy and <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 kind of batshit that this got made like you said watching it i forgot how many characters are in it and you know we we talk now about like the craziness of juggling like the marvel cinematic universe and whatever but this was this must have been something in its day the legal paperwork (laughs) i mean like wreck it ralph you know they had so much so many issues working with sega and nintendo just to get uh bowser and uh uh Eggman or Dr. Robotnik in there, mm-hmm. you know, and like the back and forth. And so this must have been insane. Also, I will say I found the animation fine, very in, on par with 1990s, except I thought that Michelangelo from the Turtles was a little off kilter sometimes. And this was produced in about six weeks, I think, from Wang uh, Productions, who did a lot of these 90s shows. And I will say that I, they apparently did it, that's about half the time they would normally have to do a production like this. So uh, for that, they did a good job. Um, it fits in line with everything else that would be you'd see on TV at the time. I actually thought that um, the the George Bush Sr. and Barbara Millie intro was kind of perfect because George Bush Sr. has always had a cartoon voice. It's not a real voice. I don't like um, his. He sounds the like his character on The Simpsons. Yeah, he's, exactly. He's the only person with the people that mimic him sort of do a better George Bush than George Bush, <laughs> you know, like you just the Barbara, let's go watch this. Right. Yes. We'll have it. And then talk to your kids about it afterward. And then there's the, a credit song that has like, you know, all of these things about the, the credit song is depressing. Did you watch to the end? Because it's this whole, like Greg's nodding. It's like, it's like, um, basically don't do drugs. Remember what we tell you. You'll grow up. Maybe you'll even forget about us, but don't, but keep in the back of your head what we're telling you, even yeah, if that you was have to dark. say goodbye. I was like, this isn't inside out. Like Pixar's <laughs> not here. Like, leave me alone. Don't tell me that. And by the way, I am 37 years old and I know every single one of you. So don't you 
fucking tell me that I'm gonna forget you, Winnie <laughs> the Pooh. That's that's bonkers. Well, look, look I want to I want to call out Winnie the Pooh specifically. Everyone else in this, you know, they were just along for the ride, sitting under drugs, sure enough. But Winnie the Pooh was a fucking narc, totally. Um, and and I I cannot forgive that. You know, I love I love because he's talking to the little sister. Um, forgive me for saying so, but don't you think that you should say something to your parents? Like I, it's not me, of course. I'm not you, but and I'm just like, I just you know, totally like rabbit. I expected to pop out and be like, like Pooh, it's none of your business. Go back inside. You I know, mean, just... Winnie the Pooh literally has stitches already. You know, it's, <laughs> it's right there. He's also the only the only uh, guest star who who gets sort of uh, uh, accosted. Smoke hucks him across the room into a cupboard and slams it, and it slams shut. Which Everyone rightfully else... rightfully done. So. <laughs> um, they yeah, yeah oh before i forget because greg totally pointed out something i forgot the mixed message from the whole beer incident where like the yeah. dad notices that a couple beers are missing and the and mom just, the mom's just like oh you probably drank too you many probably drank them when you were watching football and it's like drunk so, so i like the how the whole message of this is to like just not do alcohol and drugs but it's okay if dad does it sure and and when dad's working in the garage and by the way dad is is like his body is banging that is weird everyone has like the tightest like they must have seen into the future and been like skinny jeans but that we're on it um and, but he's in the garage like pulling at a lawnmower i don't know some dude stuff dad stuff right and the daughter comes in and is like after winnie the pooh kind of gets her the the nudge and she's like something i think michael's been acting weird and his response is he's a teenager everything he's supposed to be weird you're like you're like hey um i think michael needs help dad uh-huh i think everybody needs help honey um i'm gonna pull start this lawnmower and inhale some fumes for 20 minutes man like, he's he's two steps away from boys will be boys like coming right? out of his mouth <laughs> yes and <clears throat> i i totally uh, i totally I totally uh, like saw that moment. I also want to mention too, I'm curious if anybody knows why, write in to Colton Classic Podcast at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at Colton Classic Podcast. But uh, in the credits, you know, it of course has a list of like thanks to all of the property owners for each of the characters. Marvel is listed in there. Uh, and I don't know what property they owned at that time. I even went through the records and tried to find out. I don't know if for some legal reason they were required, like they had licensing rights in print or animation to some character that was in there. It could be something like that, but it's unclear why they were thanked in there because in this copy, uh, there is no there is no Marvel owned property. When, when did Warner Brothers acquire um, or merge up with Looney Tunes, however the hell that went down? Warner Brothers, that was, uh, that was pretty, that was long before this. Okay. Um, I was just, I was, I, yeah. I was like, that's the only thing that I'm thinking, yeah. like maybe there was some like Captain American Bugs Bunny take on the Red Skull or something stupid. Yeah, like, well, and like, it could be that Alvin and the Chip, you know, several of these had, these characters had Marvel. I think Alf actually um, had a Marvel, like the comic based on the, the, the animated series. So it very, it could be that they had some sort of licensing rights to the, the animated form as well. Um, so that's what I'm thinking, but it also wouldn't shock me if there were other cameos that got cut or dropped and they weren't pulled from the script, um, the credits elements. So that's, that's, it's interesting. This is an interesting one. Another interesting thing is the cover for it, the, the 
the poster for it essentially was illustrated by Barry Jackson who um, follow Barry Jackson on Instagram. I can't remember his exact handle, but he's an incredible animated our animation worker and illustrator. He did a lot of the design and backgrounds for like cool world. Um, he's, and he has a, he has a, a children's book out at least one and um, a sketchbook painting collection, really incredible illustrator just has worked on innumerable things. And I thought that that was really cool to see that because when you're looking at the poster, it's a great poster with like airbrush, you know, characters from all these franchises. And at the same time, they're perfectly in the style of their original medias. So it doesn't, you know, you, you wouldn't be able to tell like, oh, I know Barry Jackson's work inside out. That's him. He just matched their styles. But let's move right along to the recommendations so we can wrap this up. So I know, Tad, you've got to go. So why don't you tell us who would you recommend Cartoon All-Stars to the rescue to and uh, why? I think we need to traumatize an entirely new generation of kids. Um, this is this is the great gateway drug to traumatizing media that starts <laughs> from here and goes on to other classics such as showing your child Alien, showing your child Terminator One and Two, showing your child uh, Spaceballs. Because for me, Spaceballs it was always can... RoboCop. RoboCop at six Robocop years is... old. RoboCop is world. traumatizing for adults. All right, that movie is traumatizing in general. Would you say that this is the treat you give your kids after you show them the Star Wars Holiday Special? Oh my God. <laughs> um, yeah, and I want to mention too, just real quick, because we touched on the if you actually replace drugs with alcohol in this, and if you made the whole short about alcohol, everything actually makes sense. The addiction, the withdrawal, the aggression, the stealing money, the availability of it to kids. Um, it actually totally makes sense, which is always a crazy thing because alcohol is completely legal. Um, of course, yes, you're supposed to be a certain age in the United States to, to consume it, but it is a completely legal drug that just about any child in America has some form of access to. And the idea that that's not the focus, yet we're focusing on things like drugs is, is wild to me. Uh, all right, Greg, it's on to you. Who would you recommend Cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue to and uh, why? Um, I don't think I would recommend it, um, ultimately. I, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's kind of a, a, a hard one for me just because I, I think you really do have to see it to believe it. But I think, I think a quick someone, like someone telling you about it is almost funny and like more funny. It's, it's good enough to be like, wow, like I can't believe that happened. Um, I'll, you know, in, in lieu of watching this, I think everyone should watch um, Saturday Morning All-Star Hits on Netflix, which um, I, I know I've recommended to you several mm -hmm. times. It's basically a mini series that's a bunch of like the pitches you're watching VHSs that where someone recorded their favorite Saturday morning TV show lineup that actually has an episode that's a direct parody of the cartoon mm. All Stars to the Rescue. So check that out again, Saturday morning All Star hits. Um, uh, the only other thing I I feel like we forgot to touch on was this was sponsored. We mentioned it that it was financed by the Ron McDonald Children's Charities. Yeah, and they have an intro and an outro ad for those charities. Right. It's the that, same on both ends. Yeah, that. Uh, it rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. It felt a little bit exploitive of, hey, we're going to pick... Of differently some, abled people. Yeah. Dif yeah, yeah. We're going to pick the most visibly differently abled kids that we can and kind of tug you in a way that's very 80s and 90s, um, using them almost as, um, I don't know, donation pieces instead of people. Yes. But um, <laughs> but yeah, overall, if 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 you do not, if you cannot believe that this happened, watch it. Otherwise, just watch um, 
Saturday morning uh, All Stars or whatever it was that I just said yeah. on Netflix, um, yeah. and, that, and, and that that will capture a good parody and give you a sense of what this was like. I would say that it's fair if if you're interested. If you're a '90s kid, yeah, give it a watch. It's 32 minutes, and you'll be able to say you did. And it moves so fast, even though it's borderline nonsensical in many places, um, that you're not you're not going to be like, I can't believe I wasted my 30 minutes. Like it'd be fine. But I also think just downloading the Barry Jackson cover art and, and printing that out on a nice ledger sized piece of paper from Kinko's and putting that in your room is going to give you all the nostalgia you need because uh, you know, more characters than are actually in the show are on it. And it's pretty great. Um, I would recommend it to people who are interested in the nineties. If you are a nineties kid, uh, then give it a go. It's short. You can watch it on YouTube or wherever you want. Uh, if you're going to try and track down a VHS copy, you know, good luck. You're going to be out some cash, uh, but uh, not necessary. It is fascinating. It's interesting to see all these characters, but the history is really where it's at here rather than the actual content. Um, also, as a side note, check out the, uh, go Google the uh, Garfield Ninja Turtle crossover comic strip. Uh, it's far superior as far as content it's actually pretty awesome uh and it's 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 painted nicely it's 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 a beautiful piece of work uh and yeah the ronald mcdonald uh foundation now the ronald mcdonald house there's various branches uh, which does have a pretty good uh rating as far as charities go did did sponsor this you can still you know donate to them all the time and they do a lot of great things for kids and people and and family assistance but it does feel exploitative as you said in a very 90s way something we wouldn't see as much now where it's showing differently abled people and playing like this love theme song and having them talk the theme song at the camera it's just weird uh it's just it's yeah yeah definitely don't get it twisted ron mcdonald um their charities do a lot of good stuff but it feels very very <laughs> albert schweitzer where i'm like yeah. I, I know that you don't have some of the best interests but you're doing some good things so <laughs> i guess we'll yeah. call it a wash and i'll throw some money right yeah yeah and it's and it's but i did think it was weird that on the on the vhs they did put the put the ad for it first before the message from uh the bush family and then after again the exact same one uh i'm like wow you're really hammering this home you're just betting that if if a family gets a hold of this tape you're just going to hit rewind and repeat over and over and your kid's going to have that ingrained in their head uh, but yeah, so that's it for this part one of After School Special Specials uh, here at Colton Classic Podcast. Sorry I've said us so much today, uh, but this is really a head scratcher of a film and it has caused me to sort of lose part of my, my brain uh, logic circuits. They're just not quite right. It was, it was wild and it was being bashed out of the head with so many co-stars is uh, a little disconcerting, which I didn't really expect having seen it before. But Catch us next week for part two of After School Specials uh, with The Day My Kid Went Punk, 1987. To play us out, as always, is The Chud with All About Evil. Remember to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Like and subscribe on YouTube. And follow us on Instagram at Colton Classic Podcast. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Colton Classic Podcast. This podcast is important to me, but what's more important are the rights, privileges, and freedom from violence of everyone in this country and in this world. And that means supporting Black Lives Matter. If you'd like to make a donation, 
please go ahead and visit coltonclassicpodcast.com where we have a list of places you can donate and help out. And please stay safe.